I want to <laughs> talk about death. What's up, Story Geeks? It's Daryl. We are geeks, we admit it, we own it, and we love science fiction, fantasy, and comic books. Which is why we dig deeper into the characters, plot lines, and themes that appear in geek stories like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is going to be a good one. I'm Jay, and Daryl and I would love for you to join our conversation. Leave us a comment on our blog, Podbean, or YouTube, or send us an email at thestorygeeks at gmail.com. And really quick, before you forget, click that subscribe button, then let us know you're listening by commenting or shooting us an email. We'd love to meet you electronically. Thanks for listening in. The Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. That's right. And as I mentioned, today we're going to dig deeper into the Marvel Cinematic Universe because as it stands, we're about one week away from the release of Infinity War. Yeah. And by the time you hear this, it'll be basically like just what, a couple days. Three away. days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we figured the best way to look forward to that is to look back on everything else we've already seen. And we can't do that without an expert to join us. And so our expert guest today on the Marvel world is author and returning guest, Bobby Nash. Bobby, welcome. Hi guys. Thanks for having me. The expert tag might set these people up for higher expectations than you should have. (laughs) Well, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll live up to it. Don't worry about it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing, what you've been working on lately, where people can find your work. Uh, sure, sure. Um, well, as you mentioned, I'm an author. Uh, actually, I'm proud to say that I'm once again an award-winning author. Um, one of my, I won an award at the uh, Windy City Pulp and Paper Con, does the Pulp Factory Awards every year. And I won for Best Short Story for a story I wrote in the Ruby Files, Volume 2, that came out last year. So we're very awesome. excited about that. Yes, the Ruby Files was nominated for five awards and won three. So we're very, very thrilled with the book. Awesome. So, um, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, we have, we assembled a great team and, and, uh, everybody just, just did knockout work, which, you know, and, and the people that, that bought and read the books all responded and we were, it's, it's that kind of magic that you hope happens with everything you write, but you, <laughs> you, you never know. And so, yes, yeah, some kind of magic happened in there that we're hoping we can keep replicating. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. So, but yeah, I'm always uh, I'm always in the process of writing stuff, uh, working on the new the next snow book now, and uh, you can find me of course at bobbynash.com and all over social media. I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be everywhere these days. That's how it works. It really is, because man, there's so many different social media sites that if you miss one, you do miss a segment of your potential readers. Yep, so. it's insane. Cool. Well, thanks again for joining us today, Bobby. My pleasure. Big fan, big fan of the MCU. So yeah, as are we. So let's just kind of dive into some of this stuff here. I've got several questions that we can go through and use to kind of look back on our favorite moments and characters and stories from all of the MCU films, which I believe, leading up to Infinity War, we have seventeen films that have already been released. I think that's. Accurate. 17, 18. Yes. 17 or 18, yeah. Yeah, I think Infinity War is the 18th, I think. I could be wrong. I can count that. it for you. You keep, you keep going, I'll count them. Okay. <laughs> so let's start with this question here. Um, what do you guys think are some of the most emotionally impactful moments throughout the MCU? Ooh. Bobby is 18, by the way. 18? Black Panther yeah. was 18. Black Panther was 18, <laughs> yeah. okay. 
So, Bobby, why don't you start us off on here? What what moments come to mind when you think about emotional impact? Wow. Um, well, you know, for as a as a fan, as an audience member, an emotion emotional to me. Let's. Go, I will go back to the first Iron Man, and when we see Tony Stark put on the armor for the first time and walk out of that cave. To, for, to us comic fans who have been waiting all our lives for this. Yeah. That's a mo- I mean, that's one of those moments where you, you feel your heart kind of skip a beat. And, and still one of the coolest scenes. Exactly, yes. And it's one of those moments... Because, I mean, it's not like these were the first superhero films. But these were some of the first superhero films that... that, di- that in the past, most superhero films had said, ooh, we love the concept, let's ignore what they've done and do it our way. Mm-hmm. And these were some of the first that said, you know what, people love the books, let's tell that story. Yeah. And it, I mean, changes have happened, but with that first Iron Man, I mean, it's right out of the books. And I think it's a for an emotional impact for me as a viewer, you know, that was a big moment. For sure. Jay, what comes to mind for you? Oh, there's, there's lots of them. I, I mean, I think even even the Incredible Hulk has moments where you're just like, mm-hmm. you, you feel sorry for the even struggle. the worst movie has. Yeah, good well, well. <laughs> actually, know, I don't think that is the worst movie, but yeah, I think there's some moments in there that are good. But if I had to start like narrowing it down, um, I immediately go to Guardians of the Galaxy. So. Sure. There's mm-hmm. a moment with Star Lord um, and his mom as his mom's passing away. For sure, that's mm-hmm. that's going to be impactful for me, um, having lost a mom to cancer. So like, I don't we don't know what she has, but it looks like a cancer type situation. Yeah. Um, I also think that uh, even the Guardians of the Galaxy two, where he's like kind of realizing that Yondu is more of a father than than his yeah. than ego was. I think that's a fantastic moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd probably throw out there. Uh, in Black Panther, there are several moments that pack some pretty emotional weight. Um, I think when Killmonger talks to his father again in the in the apartment scene, mm-hmm. when he like, goes back, he he takes the uh, the herb and he goes back. I think that's a really great scene. Um, so I think that there's there's now. If you ask me, does the DCEU or does the MCU have more emotional moments? I might pick the DCEU over the MCU. Really? Yeah. But, uh, and by doing so, you're really only talking about like two movies, right? (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. No question. Well, it's kind of like Man of Steel contains so many of them. Yeah, yeah. That it's like a standout. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming has some has some moments. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think it was was it Iron Man two where he's where he's dealing with the alcoholism. I mean, yes. it's kind of an implied alcoholism. Yeah. yeah, that has some great moments in it too because he's having people turn against him. Yeah, and there's some real hit. There's real emotional hits there that I think are really good. So there's definitely moments throughout the entire MCU. But what about you? Well, a few of the ones that stand out to me, I'd go back all the way to the first Iron Man film as well. But the part that sticks out to me is. Um, when he first gets captured after the Humvees get ambushed. Because you get, you get the whole beginning of the film and you get how cool and snarky and confident Robert Downey Jr. is going to be as Tony Stark, you know? Yeah. And you're kind of starting to think like, okay, I got this character figured out. I know how this is going to be. Mm-hmm. 
And then when he gets captured, he just does such a good job of having that look of fear in his eyes and that look of vulnerability. And yeah. I remember being really impacted by that. Um, some other ones that stand out to me, definitely the death of Coulson in the Avengers. Yes. Mm. Um, and then some darker moments too, like that are not necessarily upliftingly emotional, but, <laughs> but really impactful. Like I think of civil war when Tony Stark is talking to the woman whose son died in Sokovia. Oh, sure. After the presentation at MIT, <clears throat> like that's really impactful. And then one that always also hit me is in Doctor Strange when Stephen Strange is sort of at the end of his rope right before he discovers, before oh, he hears about Carmitage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in his apartment at night and Rachel McG- I can't remember her name, her, the character's name, but she brings him dinner and it's just this ugly conversation between them. And he's like, oh, you care so much, you know, yeah, and he's yeah, just yeah. a jerk and it's like <laughs> but it's so impactful because it's like wow i hate him right now yeah. You know? yeah 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 i would i'd like to throw one other one out too because we're talking mostly about a lot of these darker ones emotional yeah. moments but there's one because we've seen it play out a few times but it's more of a hopeful one and it's steve rogers i can do this all day face yes before he becomes Captain America. Right. Well, because he makes that comment where the, where the bullies are beating him up. Yeah. But that is a thing that we've seen Cap do in other movies when he faces yeah. off against Iron Man in Civil War. And Iron Man's like totally beating the crap out of him. He's back to that, you know, he's still that guy going, I can take it, whatever, you know. <clears throat> and I even see a little bit of that when in the, the Infinity War trailer where there's that shot where Thanos and Cap are fighting. Mm-hmm. That, that, that Steve's, that, that, that Steve's moral code is, you know, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. The only way you're going to move me is to kill me. Yeah. And, and it's such a... And you really a, get it in... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's such, a, it's such a thing that they've built into it now. He doesn't have to say it anymore. Yeah, it's just on it's, his face. It's there, yeah. And I love the way they have carried that through. Yeah, it's like anytime he's challenged, he returns back to his ideals from where he started. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's always really moving. I, I like it in The Winter Soldier, too, when he's mm-hmm. fighting with Bucky. And um, he's like, you're my friend. And Bucky's like, you're my mission. And, and he's <laughs> like, I'm with you all the way, you know. Yep. And he just, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite character. So a lot of my answers are going to have to do with Cap. <laughs> hey, mine too. <laughs> really? Cool. Probably, yes. <clears throat> but gosh, is there anything else? I mean, obviously there's a ton of great ones. I, I would echo yours from Guardians too with Peter and oh yeah, and Yondu. Mm-hmm. I, have well, a couple he... mo- I have a couple more that are more humor, so that's your next question. Okay, so, like, yeah, 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 yeah. What were you going to say, Bobby? I was going to say, even in Guardians 2... And it is kind of humorous too, but the bit where he's he doesn't believe that this is really yeah you know, really I don't believe this is my dad. We've been tricked before, and and she's telling uh, uh, she's telling him that uh, Gamora is telling him that you know well remember that story you told me, and even though it's played for laughs, the fact that she loves the fact that this story from his childhood. And even though she gets all the details wrong, she remembers it, which says a lot about their relationship, mm-hmm. that she's paying attention to those details. Totally. And 
but it's a it's a it's a nice moment between them where they don't have to beat us over the head with uh, with them as a couple or them as not a couple, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I think one more, I know Jay, you said you had a couple more. Um, one more that I'll throw out too is, I guess it's not just one moment, but in Civil War, after Peggy dies, um, I just, I really like the way that all of the Avengers sort of rally around Cap. I mean, I know there's the Civil War going on and the fight going on, but like Nat comes to the funeral because she didn't want him to be alone. And they just, you kind of really get to see the family nature that exists between those characters there, which I really like. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Mine are more humorous, so I'll say them in the next one. Okay, well, let's yeah. go to the next one. <laughs> so let's talk about humor. Um, Jay, you can lead us off on this. What are some of the funniest moments in the MCU? Yeah, so uh, the MCU, I think, well, this is where the MCU crushes the DCEU. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of funny moments in the DCEU. Um, but uh, some of the funniest moments. So one, I think um, it's a very emotional moment, but it's also hilarious. And that's when uh, Peter Parker's friend, I don't remember his name. Ned, um, I think. Is it Ned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yes, you're right. Ned. Uh, when Ned reacts to to learning that Peter Parker has powers and that he's like Spider-Man, yeah. that is such a fantastic scene. <laughs> um, I think it's sort of like how we would all respond if our friend suddenly said, like, by the way, I'm a superhero. Yeah. You know? So and I'm, it's a total sign moment. of the times that when he says it, he's like, you're the Spider-Man from YouTube. <laughs> and none exactly. of us flinched. We're like, oh, YouTube. Sure. Yeah. yeah fine. Yeah. That's how the world is. That's yeah. where he'd be. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, so I think that was, I think that was hilarious. Um, uh, there's also a bunch of funny moments in Ragnarok. I didn't love that film, but it's so funny. So I think that um, there's even a couple of just really. I think that uh, what's what's Taika Waititi's character's name? Korg. 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 Yeah, that's right. I always forget that one. Korg. Korg is really funny, but he has this like depth of emotion in all of his jokes. Yeah. Like they're like they're like these deep sayings that it just happened to be like also like also really funny. I think that's a, that's a really great moment. He um, has my favorite funny moment throughout the entire MCU. Yeah, say it. Which is, it. it's when Loki is appearing to Thor in the prison, and then he disappears, and Korg comes and kicks the walls and goes, piss off, ghost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good. It's so good. Um, yeah, I think those are, those are probably my the the moments that because like you know Iron Man is such a sarcastic character he's gone through so many so he has lots of really fantastic one liners um, I don't know if Captain America has really ever said anything hilarious <laughs> he's not really that kind of character he's he's language yeah language. yeah there you go <laughs> he's sort of the the Leonardo of the turtles right like you yeah. really respect him but he's not the one cracking jokes like like uh, now now Cap is your ultimate straight man. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's everybody around him is funny. Yeah, and and then like you have like Thor, who sort of doesn't get the joke because he's kind of his arrogance is kind of the joke. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. so that's kind of great too. What about you guys? What well, do you cer- think, Bobby? Certainly, the I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are just full of humor. Yeah. Um, the stuff with uh, with Rocket, like oh, you could pretty much take any piece of Rocket dialogue, and it's probably it's hilarious. That's true. Or, or like in the second one, you know, the 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 brilliance of teaming up Rocket and Groot with Yondu. Yeah, that there's just a lot of humor there, that then they immediately turn on and make it uber serious. 
and then go right and back really to the humor violent. again. <laughs> yes, yeah. and then really violent, then right back to silly again. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, other funny moments. The the Stanley cameos are always a blast. Mm. You know, the fact that they've they've worked him into all of these things, which at first were just little throwaway bits to say, "Hey, here's Stan," to where now they're like. There are theories going around the internet of how they're all connected. Yeah. <laughs> and in Guardians of the Galaxy, we saw him talking to the Watchers. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I love the fact that they've played this stuff up and they've, I mean, it's it's become its own little side story to the, to the MCU. And didn't they kind of confirm in that that they're all connected? Like, didn't he say yeah. something to that effect? Yeah, because he mentions, and there was this one time I was a FedEx guy, and yeah, and in the Civil War he had played the the FedEx Tony guy Stank. looking for Tony Stank. Yeah, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, so there's a, I mean, there's a lot of good humor in them. Uh, certainly, I think this, you know, the ones that have gone more, you know, a lot of the humor is character based, but I think the ones that have more sillier moments certainly are the Guardians, the Last Thor, and Ant Man. Where sure. they're they're fighting with the toy trains that suddenly get huge, or you know, the little thing, the giant ants, things like that. So there's yeah. a lot of good humor there, and then and then there's a lot of humor that just comes out of characters talking. You know, as we mentioned, Tony is very sarcastic. You know, Star Lord is certainly very sarcastic. So I'm very excited to see the two of them in Infinity War together, just from what I've seen in the trailer so far. Totally. So. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of humor there that I really like, and of course, other little bits like uh, the Avengers, where you know Thor lands next to Hulk, and then Hulk pops him, you know, <laughs> yeah. or the puny god oh, yeah. thing, um, which has a great payoff in Ragnarok when the Hulk shows up and Loki's first thing is, "I've got to get off this planet." Yeah, <laughs> you know. So there's and a lot. And then he does of... it to Thor, and he's all, "That's how it feels." Yes. So <laughs> I love the fact that the you know that they're playing off these things that have happened, and yeah, they were just fun, fun moments for me. Yeah, I also like a lot of Tony's kind of like uh, just offhanded names for people, mm -hmm. like how he calls Thor Point Break, and yep, and he's got all these other random names for people. <laughs> Um, Point Break is pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> There's some good stuff in Spider-Man Homecoming, the PSAs oh, yeah. with Captain America. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those are fantastic. And then I think it's uh, Hannibal Burris, who's playing the PE coach. Okay. who when they show one of those he's like i'm pretty sure this dude's a war criminal now but we're supposed <laughs> to keep showing these you know? that's awesome that that movie does sport the best after credit scene of all the movies yeah i'd like to talk to you today about patience yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep that's, that's a good great. one and then i i still like the from the first avengers film the whole Cap not understanding references things. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and then they make a Wizard of Oz reference, and he's like, "I understood that. I understood that <laughs> reference." That's awesome. I thought that was funny. You know, you guys referenced the the kind of the Hulk fight, but I laughed so hard in the first Avengers when he's throwing Loki back and forth yeah. on the ground. That's just so funny. The puny mm -hmm. god. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously Loki has a lot of great lines. Oh yeah. Um, gosh. What's your what is okay? What does each of you think is the? I'll say the funniest movie of all of them. 
the funniest movie. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'd say Guardians. I, it's a toss-up between one or two, but I'm going to go ahead and go with the first one. I think the, the first Guardians of the Galaxy is just hilarious. I'm I'm in between I'm in between Guardians, so I'm kind of like uh-huh. with Bobby on that one. But I also think that despite the fact that I love Guardians it's, and it's my number three comic book movie of all time, yeah, I also think that Thor Ragnarok is the funniest MCU mm. movie, even though I don't like it that much. Yeah, it's still hilarious. So I'm either going Guardians. I mean, there's just so many good rocket lines like. I'm going to need that guy's leg. Yeah. You know, like that's such a good line. <laughs> I I see. I, I have trouble going for Thor Ragnarok or even Spider-Man Homecoming because a lot of the humor that they throw out there is at the expense of the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which doesn't bother me. But in some ways, it feels a little bit like the low hanging fruit. So I lean a little bit more towards Guardians because it's more creatively humorous mm. but i might go for guardians 2 really i mean I, one of my favorite jokes is in guardians 2 when after they crash land on that planet and um peter is talking to rocket and i forget what he calls him like a rodent or something like that or whatever <laughs> and he's like don't call me that and he's like sorry i meant trash panda <laughs> and then and rocket's like is that better? <laughs> and Peter's like, it's worse. It's so much worse. <laughs> Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt in that role is fantastic. Yeah, and it looks like he's got some good ones. I mean, just from the Avengers, the in Infinity War trailers, it looks like he's got some great ones in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like when he's talking to Tony, and he's like, he's like, about your plan. It's great, and I love it, but it sucks. So maybe <laughs> let me come up with the plan, and then it'll be good. <laughs> He's just such. It'd be hard to. uh, It'd be hard to find someone as likable as Chris Pratt is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you? This is off topic, I know, but have you seen the new Jurassic World trailer that just came out today? I did. No, I didn't. Okay, Bobby, you saw it. Yes, it makes me more excited for the movie than the original first trailer did. I mean, we kind of knew that the whole rescuing the dinosaurs from the erupting planet was not the real plot, but it's Mm -hmm. nice to have it confirmed. But um, there's a. I know Jay, you haven't seen it, but there's a funny moment in that when Chris Pratt is like, he's about to go off and do something and go away from Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh-huh. And he's like, if I don't come back, just remember you made me come here. <laughs> <laughs> and then she looks all up. He, she looks all offended and he's like, Oh, I'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually was, um, I know this is still super off topic, but like, I think he was less likable in Jurassic world than he's been in any other role. So I hope they kind of switch that around. I don't know. I've seen passengers. I was uh, just about to say the same oh, thing. I haven't yeah. seen passengers. <laughs> passengers kind of makes you hate him. Really? Just a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Oh man. I'm going to have to watch that then. It's a good movie, but yeah. you're, the you, whole you, time you're like, dude, <laughs> Yeah. you feel for him, but there's a part where you just go, man, come on. Yeah. That's really funny. I'm going to have to watch that now. Yeah. It's a good movie, but it'll mess you. It'll mess with you a little bit. Is that who's, who's in that with him? Jennifer Lawrence and Michael Sheen. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And Lawrence Fishburne for about five minutes. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. Morpheus. Yeah. Red and literally, that's the cast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's it. It's a very solitary film. Okay. Andy Garcia makes a minute and a half cameo at the end. Other than that, no more people. <laughs> yeah. It's only a few, but they're all high profile. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to move us into one of the slightly more difficult questions. We might have to spend some time on this one for sure. But So I'm interested in what you guys believe are the three most important individual characters in the MCU. So we can't just say the Avengers or the Guardians. or hmm. We're looking for individual characters, the three most important. So... Bobby, we'll start with you. What do you think about that? That is a tough one because I have it narrowed down to four. So I'll have to give one an honorable mention. But I would say say Nick Fury. Oh. Because up until, at least up until Civil War uh, and and, uh, Winter Soldier, he is vitally important to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. As the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Secondly, I would say tony stark because he is the face to the public at large in and i'm talking like if you're in the marvel universe if you live in that world he is the public face of all of this and he is the you know he's and he's also the tech guy so he's the guy that's changing the world right he's constantly innovating and creating things so he would be very influential he would be the kind he's the guy that college kids are studying what he did mm. you know as well and they've played on that where he's talking to mit um and i would say third would be steve rogers because cap just kind of automatically steps into that leadership role it's yeah. just in him that he becomes the symbol and so whereas tony is the symbol of hey we have powers you know steve is the symbol of but there's hope, you know. Hmm. So those yeah. would be my top three. The fourth one, and then, yeah, the fourth one in there, I would say, would be the Black Widow. Mm, and the okay. reason for her is she is the one that's responsible, on the face of it, for taking down Shield, for taking down Hydra, because she's the one that went before Congress. She was the one that was on all the news reports. So if you lived in that, if you live in the Marvel universe, when they talk about Shield and Hydra, the Black Widow is always there in those mm. stories because she is the public face of that. Mm. So, so I think that would make her very important to the people living in the in the Marvel universe. I like those, it. Those are great answers. Did that give you enough time to think of yours? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Mine are going to be in a kind of a totally different vein, just to be fun. Um, so first, most important individual character, Ronan. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> A more useless character. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. You're going to go with Ronan, he's, he's Howard the Duck, yeah. <laughs> and Lady Sif. Yeah. No, so, uh, so I would say, I'm going to say Nick Fury as well. That'd be the one where I would be totally on the same page as Bobby. Super, super, super influential. I'm also going to say um, Killmonger for a completely mm. different reason because I think that we have a really, really terrible villain pool mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, you've mentioned Zemo. He's got depth, definitely. Yeah. But Killmonger is my second favorite villain since Heath Ledger's Joker. So yeah. that, I think that's fantastic. Um, obviously, not that's not MCU. but uh, Then the, my... My third, and I'll have an honorable mention as well, but my third is going to be probably, I'm trying to think of who to pick from this group, um, probably 
Rocket, either Rocket or Groot from the group, just because I, if you would have told me before Guardians of the Galaxy that that they were going to be my favorite characters, that that, that, that was going to be my favorite film, I'd be like, there's no way. I have no <laughs> idea who the Guardians of the Galaxy even are. And yet they tie into the MCU and make the MCU broader and bigger and so critical to what's going on and yeah. such amazing films. So you so you could pick any one of them. I know I'm kind of cheating, but like I think Rocket Raccoon of all of them is probably the most influential. Um, and so I think I'll choose him. And then my honorable mention is going to be a character that we haven't seen much of, but we're going to Thanos. Yeah, because we've been building to Thanos for so long, and he's such a badass in his little floating chair. And we're going like, whoa, we can't wait for this guy. So now we finally get to see him. So I think that has a huge influence over everything that's happening. That's good. Boy, that's I good. hope it doesn't like suck. It. <laughs> all that yeah. build-up. All Me that build-up. Oh. Yeah. Plus, it's also just weird that Josh Brolin is playing two high-profile villains mm-hmm. within like three weeks of each other. You know? Well, I guess Cable is not a villain, but... No, but two big, two big Marvel characters. Roles. Yeah. yeah, Thanos and Cable. I saw something online that said, uh, asked him which one he preferred, which one he enjoyed playing more, mm-hmm. and he said Thanos. Really? So that's a good sign. So for me, my top three, I hadn't thought about Nick Fury. I don't know why, but I hadn't. Probably just because he's been so out of the limelight yeah. recently. He is the catalyst, though. He's he a, is the catalyst. Yeah. Well, one could say that Coulson was a catalyst, too. You could. Mm-hmm. You could argue Coulson, sure. But I think my three, and I'll have an honorable mention as well, but um, I, I have to go with Tony and Steve as well um, for very similar reasons to yours, Bobby, just because they're sort of the faces of everything in very different ways. So I think if you put the two of them together then you have a good representation of what a hero should be in the MCU. But they sort of balance each other out, you know? So, like, Tony has the drive and the will and the desire to end all of this and go home at the end of the day. Mm. And he's got all of this skill and technology and all of these resources. Um, But Cap has, like you said, Bobby, he's got the hope. Mm-hmm. And he has the ideology and he has this ability to step back from the world. You know, sort of, this is kind of the benefit of being like the man out of time. He has the ability to step back and look at what's going on around him and not let it swallow him up, but still be who he is. Well, well Steve, Steve is the, Steve is a tactician too. Uh, yeah. You know, certainly more so in the, com- I mean, in the comics, he had a longer period on the battlefield of world war two but right. he's this tactician he's looking at the big he's looking at the war tony tends to look at the battle mm-hmm. tony tony fixates on a problem and goes to solve it whereas steve's looking at the three battles beyond the battle tony's fighting at that moment right and i think yeah individually you know steve misses things that happen are close up because he's focused on the big picture and Tony misses things because he's focused on the shorter picture. Yeah. Together, they are an unbeatable team because they've got every every angle covered. Totally. And I love the angle that Civil War takes on the relationship between the two of them. Because if you were to guess, you would assume that 
Captain America would be the one who would be siding with the government and saying mm-hmm. that we need accountability and stuff. But his journey is such from the first Avenger through Avengers and the Winter Soldier that it just makes so much sense that he's not that guy because America is corrupt, you know, mm-hmm. and he's there, standing up for what he was before. There was a great quote, and I don't, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm hijacking your list. No, I'm it's sorry. fine, it's fine. There's this great quote from, so, and I forget who made it, it was about the comics where, and it may have been around the time of the Civil War comic, where people always say that, oh, you know, Captain America, of course he's going to be on the side of the government. Captain America does not represent the government of the United States. Captain America represents the dream of the United States. He represents the American dream, the American ideal. And if the government strays from that as it happens in real life you know uh cap's not gonna just blindly following he's like no no this is the right way to go yeah and that that speech in civil war that sharon gives is that's that she said peggy used to tell her you know in the books that's actually a speech cap gives oh really and, the one about planting your feet and yeah moving in oh. in the in the civil war comic that is a speech that that uh, Steve gives when he tells the government, "No, I am not. I am not doing this for you," because the the government wanted them to go hunt down the people that wouldn't sign up to be their registration act. Yeah. And Cap's like, "No," and he gives this big speech, and it's that speech. And in the so I, I felt a little bad that he doesn't get that moment in the movies, but it's still a wonderful, moving speech that it, you know. But yeah. Yeah. Probably would have been a little too heavy-handed if it was him giving the speech rather than probably. hearing it. Yeah, probably. But as I think about it, that's actually that could have gone under one of the most emotional moments for me too. Mm-hmm. For sure. So sorry, I, I didn't mean to hijack your your talk. No, that's that. fine. No, you make a good point, and it it actually stands out to me that in a lot of ways, Captain America is sort of the Marvel equivalent of Superman in that way. Yes. You know. Uh, yeah. Right, because yeah. Superman, Superman, you know, the the, the, to, the truth, justice, and the American way thing. Again, it's the ideal of what truth, justice, and the American way should be. Totally. Totally. And Superman is heavily on my mind because today is the day that Action Comics number 1000 came out. Yeah. It's also the, today as we record this, is the 80th anniversary of Action Comics number one. That's right. Oh, wow. Big Mine's day. up. Big Superman day. Yeah. So I've only read one of the stories in that comic. I'm going to go home and read the rest of it after we're done here. <laughs> but um, So my, my third most important character, um, for me, when I make this choice, I'm sort of looking more towards the future, I think. But I'm going to say that the third most important character is actually Spider-Man. Ah. Because I feel like Spider-Man is, in a lot of ways, probably the future of the MCU. Hmm. I think I'm talking about the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. <laughs> definitely, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, just because I think you know, we can't have Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and Hemsworth and everybody forever. Right. You know, they will quit. And Evans, in a lot of ways, doesn't even want to act a whole lot anymore. He wants to direct, and yeah. so we won't have those characters forever. But I think the MCU is going to last a lot longer, and I think Spider-Man is going to become maybe sort of the new Captain America or new Tony Stark after phase four, maybe. Yeah. I'm sort of... Possible, yeah. Bleeding into a question we have later on, so I'll stop saying that. But 
also just because of if you take it out if you take it outside of the stories and look at the real world business behind the MCU just the fact that they struck a deal with Sony and got Spider-Man back into the MCU is such a big deal and I feel like opened up so many windows mm. and I feel like had that not happened then we wouldn't be looking at the possibility of Disney buying Fox and getting the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and have this big, bright potential future of all of Marvel under one umbrella. Mm. Uh So I feel like Spider-Man was sort of a big catalyst for that. Well, you you mentioned earlier that that Captain America is analogous of of Superman. In terms of business-wise and to the public at large, who before these movies had no clue who any of these characters were, Spider-Man is Marvel's version is the equivalent to Batman. Yeah, everybody knows those characters. Yeah, totally. And because they are the ones that have appeared in more cartoons, they've appeared in more movies and more. They're they're everywhere. So even if you've never read a Spider-Man comic book, you knew who Spider-Man was. Oh sure, my and four-year-old so, son knew who Spider-Man was before he knew who Superman was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so so yeah, so Marvel getting Spider-Man into the MCU was a really huge deal because, you know, Spider-Man is the face of the company. I mean, Mm -hmm. Spider-Man was in the Marvel logo for decades. Yeah. And, you know, if you saw the Marvel, the Marvel bullet, the Spider-Man face was in the middle of it. So he, he really was their cornerstone marketable character and all these. And let's face it, the characters in the MCU before these movies because the X-Men were farmed out to Fox, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. These characters that have made up the MCU were B and C listers at best in the comics. Yeah. These were, Iron Man was not, you know, a huge seller. I mean, it sold okay. It was not like he wasn't popular, but in the grand scheme of Marvel characters, Iron Man was not a huge character until yeah. this movie. Hulk was probably the most popular, but... Right. Just a few years before, we had one of the crappiest superhero movies, in my opinion, <laughs> with the Hulk. I did not like yeah. that movie. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. But but these movies took these B and C list characters, and I think what may have actually helped Marvel with their success is that it was these characters that most people had no idea who they were. Mm-hmm. So... You could give them a fresh, a cool Iron Man story, and you could like if you didn't know it was a comic book, Iron Man is still a feasible science fiction and action story. Sure. Mm-hmm. So starting with Iron Man, I thought was brilliant because had it flopped, it really would not have impacted the comics much at all. Right. The fact that it was successful put a little light on the comics, which was always good as well. Yeah. So. And nowadays, in a lot of ways, the comics... I mean, I don't read a ton of Marvel comics, but I read a little bit, and it feels like the comics have reshaped themselves to the movies. Quite a bit, yes. Yeah. Well, Iron Man was... It's one of those dream casting things, too. I mean, Tony Stark has always been a little bit Robert Downey (laughs) Jr.-ish. And most people don't remember this, but... When it was announced that Robert Downey Jr. would be playing Iron Man, people were like, oh, God, not this guy. Yeah. Because up to that point, he did not have the best track record, you know, behind, you know, like in movies or, you know, in keeping out of trouble. 
Yeah, a lot of people were thinking, oh, don't you have to, like, scrape him up off of a stranger's floor first? Yeah. So, but it turned out to be one of the most beautiful pieces of casting because he's perfect in the role. Plus, I think this movie turned his life around a little bit. Oh, yeah. You know, certainly has kept him, you know, going in a direction that's, you know, made him. I mean, he is one of the most powerful guys in Hollywood because of this. Yeah. So, I mean, so the fact that, that, that they went, they, they were able to take these characters that were lesser knowns and it gave them a nice, you know, like I said, Thor. People knew who Captain America was just because the name Captain America. But most people didn't know Thor, Ant-Man, the Guardians. Nobody knew who these guys were. Yeah. So that it gave them this moment to, to, I don't know, to to really just put a spotlight on them. And people, people who don't read comics have learned what comics readers have known for decades that these characters are cool. Yeah. You know, the a big moment for me because I started reading in the the late seventies, so the fact that I heard that we were getting that Black Panther was going to show up in Civil War. It's a big deal for me. The first Avengers book I ever read had the Black Panther in it. And so I'm like, oh, this is a character I can't wait to see because I've been a Black Panther fan since the 70s. Yeah. And the fact that Black Panther now is like one of the most successful movies in history in terms of money and sales and yeah, people watching it. Yeah, third highest grossing in history, I believe. You know, and that's not saying third highest grossing comic book movie. No, period. That's third <laughs> grossest movie Period. Yeah. And the so the fact that this character that I've known has been cool for almost 40 years, you know, now several billion other people know he's cool too. And that makes me feel good as a fan going, knowing that I, I was right, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you remember, I don't remember this, but I've heard since that there was a time when Wesley Snipes was trying to make a Black uh-huh. Panther movie. Do you remember that I, I at do. the time? Okay. I do. I remember that was back in the day when we got our news from from Starlog magazine, right, things like yeah. that. There was. I remember Wesley Snipes was in in every interview. They would always ask the actors, "Do you have a dream project?" And Wesley Snipes would get interviewed a lot because you know he was big in the eighties. You know. Oh yeah. And passenger he would 57? get he would get interviewed a lot, and in every interview he would say, "There's this comic book character called the Black Panther." I want to be, I want to be Black Panther. I want to make, you know, and so for years it was, he talked about it and I know he tried and, uh, he made a lot of efforts into, to, to get the rights. And for whatever reason, it just never came to fruition. I think it worked out better for us because we, the reason we got Blade is because they're like, you can't have Black Panther, but what do you think about Blade? Yeah. And so... I mean, I think it worked out great. I think we got, you know, Wesley Snipes was fantastic in the Blade movies. And that's a character I wouldn't mind seeing one more time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I'm curious what a Wesley Snipes uh, Black Panther would have been. I think that's one of those movies, though, that in the grand scheme of things, it's probably a good thing it didn't come out then because I don't think yeah. it would have had the impact it had coming out in 2018. No, I don't think so either. And I think so. That's one of those things. I think the timing is right because the movie, the movie had the movie hit at the right time when that movie struck a chord. Whereas if Wesley Snipes had made it in the '80s, it still would have probably been a good movie, but it might not have been 
as widely received. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So. Um, going back to, I, I mentioned that I had an honorable. Yeah, I was gonna mention. say I haven't heard yeah. your honorable mention, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my honorable mention is, so you mentioned Thanos. Yeah. And I thought of Thanos as well, but in my opinion, we would not care so much about Thanos if we didn't have Gamora. So I feel like Gamora is actually a little bit more important because, you know, what we've seen of Thanos so far in the movies, like if you take into account knowledge of the comics, yeah, then obviously Thanos is a huge deal. But based on what they've shown us in the movies, it's just little <coughs> flashes here and there. And I feel like a lot of the real dread and gravity that has been attributed to that character has been through Gamora. Ah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, I I, I agree. Although if I would have said Nebula, probably that's true. Yeah, we just more have more so screen than, time with Gamora, <laughs> right? Well, and when also from the comic book side of things, you know, I I knew Nebula and her relation to Thanos long before there was any type of tie to Gamora, because Gamora yeah. was not related. At, you know, at one point in time, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I mean, I don't even know if she is now in the comics. I'm assuming that has been worked around but when when nebula first appeared uh she was the granddaughter of thanos and i think that's uh well she claimed to be the granddaughter of thanos and then at one point that turned out to be a false claim and then it changed again when the movies that now she's the daughter of etc etc but yeah i always knew her as when she first appeared in the avengers she was a she had this this gang of space pirates and they had stolen thanos's ship after he died Mm. and they were going around reclaiming Thanos' property and were using it to like try to take over parts of the galaxy. And in the comics, he has a son, right? I think so. Thane? Yes. Isn't that Thane. his son? Yeah, Thane. that sounds right, yeah. So, um, but you know, it's it's one of those things, I, I think too, knowing the, knowing the comics, when in the Avengers after credits, where we see Thanos for the first time, where the other who was supposed to be uh um annihilus i don't know if you you know i'd read that where mm. they wanted annihilus but because it's tied to the fantastic four they couldn't oh sure okay um where he's talking to thanos and we don't know it's thanos yet and he's he says that to uh to engage the humans is to to court death as a comic reader, that gave me all a kinds of giggles. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas, you know, most people's like, oh, yeah, they're going to beat him. And I'm like, no, no. He really does spend most of his time in the comics courting death. Yeah. That he he wants to, he wants to be death's boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> De- and, I don't know if you know, Jay, but De- in the comics, death is actually a character. Yeah. A female character, and Thanos literally is courting her. Yes, oh wow. he, he is yeah. she is she's the she's got like the skeletal face and just you know in robes but yes yeah, she uh thanos thanos wants it, he's in love with her and wants to woo her and there's a, a in one book where he what would it take for me to court you and she basically says wipe out half the universe and we'll talk <laughs> yeah. not not that's not a direct quote that's but but that's and that was the the first Infinity Gauntlet miniseries mm-hmm. was about when he assembles the Infinity Gauntlet, 
he uses it to wipe out half the population of the universe. Yeah. And then it's up to the, the surviving heroes to undo it. So I don't know how much of that will make it into the movie, but yeah. uh, in the comics, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, in the comics, all of the Infinity stuff is sort of like Marvel's version of DC's crisis. Like mm-hmm. DC always has a new crisis that they're going through. And in Marvel, it's Infinity, Gauntlet, yeah. War, whatever it may be. Countdown mm-hmm. right now, I think, yeah. is what they're doing. Most, most of it up to a point was written by Jim Starlin. Yeah. Um, although I understand that's changing now. Uh, Starlin's not doing anymore after the one that's finishing up now. Mm. But uh, yeah, there's a couple of... Uh, you know, Thanos was turned to stone in a story, and then he was gone for a while. Yeah. And then they brought him back. Uh, Stardom was writing the Silver Surfer, and he brought him back. And to spinning out of that story, Thanos got a miniseries where he is going around stealing the gems. And the gems at that time, the stones were all held by guardian uh, by um, the um, elders of the universe. Yeah. Guys like the Collector and uh the games master and those guys and so he goes around and beats them all and steals it and then that leads into to the infinity gauntlet series which was was quite good legendary hmm. um sorry okay. that was more than you probably wanted to know no. about the infinity gauntlet comic book <laughs> <laughs> this is why we asked bobby nash to be on the right. show yeah, yeah. See, you're living up to that expert title. I told you. Yeah, you they're did. sitting there going like, will he ever shut up? No, no. <laughs> and, that was, and I only talked about the first one. I could keep going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's uh, fun to talk about this stuff because it really helps people realize how much there is behind the character of Thanos. He's not just some big, scary purple right. dude that, and that the oddly, MCU thought up. Yeah. Oddly enough, uh, this is another bit of comic book trivia. Thanos, first, when he first appeared in the comics, he was an Iron Man villain. Mm. So it kind of all ties together. He's, he really is the perfect MCU villain because it's all started with Iron Man. There you go. Okay, let's move in a different direction here. Let's talk taking everything back to the MCU. I'm curious which MCU film has been the most impactful to you guys personally. So we're looking for one film that was most personally impactful. And Jay, let's start with you on this one. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow it down. These aren't the most impactful, but I want to just point out some that are impactful. Okay. Okay. So I would say Homecoming is the first Spider-Man that I felt uh, really good about. Um, I did I did like Andrew Garfield in the role. So mm-hmm. that was, I did like the first film. Um, the Amazing Spider-Man, I think it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't, didn't like the second film as much. Didn't think it worked as well. Um, I also, I really enjoyed Captain America, the first Avenger. Yeah. Um, because I felt like they did such a good job of capturing what it feels like to get bullied or to be looked down on and then to kind of overcome that over time. But that was really, really cool. So that was, that was, uh, pretty impactful to me personally. Black Panther, it'd be hard to say that that's not impactful. That's just a, such a quintessential film for our time. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, and I think the, the story geeks audience has heard me say this before. The reason why Guardians of the Galaxy is number two or, or number three on my all-time comic book movie list is because it is about a team of people who have difficulties relating to one another coming together, and all of them have different backgrounds that are all terrible. Mm-hmm. And um, I mentioned earlier in this in this recording, Peter Quill's background 
with his, with a mom um, having passed away from cancer, as my mom did. I wasn't as young as he was, obviously, but um, that. But my mom did have cancer when I was that age. Just, yeah. and I think that that's that's just as, is it when you put a character like that in a film, it makes the emotional connection really, really, really deep. Yeah. So I appreciated that for sure. What do you think, Bobby? Impactful. Um, I, I want to say I'm probably going to go with uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, okay. because that's to me, that's the ultimate wish fulfillment character. We all, mm. you know, especially those of us, you know, if you ever grew up being bullied or you weren't big and strong and muscular or whatever, or you weren't tall enough or you weren't fast enough or strong enough or whatever to suddenly be able to go from that to, you know, Captain America in relatively a quick, you know, bit of, uh, you know, bit of mo movie magic moments. But yeah, it's, it's such a transformative movie to see that this guy goes from being this scrawny little kid to this ultimate perfection of human, human, uh, a human being, but yet the character never changes. Mm. That Steve Rogers is Steve Rogers, the same when he didn't have the muscles as he was when he had the muscles. Mm -hmm. And so even though mm -hmm. it's the ultimate, if I had power, my God, I'd show everybody. And Steve, he's a better, he, he's better than most of us because he, he does not immediately jump to that. You know, I got powers. Let me go find everybody that bullied me and kicked their ass and I'll be back. <laughs> then we'll go, then we'll go take care of the Nazis. I gotta go take care of this first. No, he doesn't do that. He's like, what needs to be done? Let's go do our, let's go do this job. And I, I, I think there's a, that's a great moral. There's a great story there. And oh. And that's, you know, and even before these movies, that's why I was such a huge Captain America fan, because Cap is just an excellent character. And this movie, all actually, all of the Captain America movies are great at capturing the feel. This is the Captain America I grew up reading. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. My choice is actually a Captain America film, too. So... A little broken record action here. Once again, I love the concept of legacy, <laughs> which <laughs> is something I talk about all the time. And so uh, my favorite Captain America film is Captain America the Winter Soldier. That's actually my favorite MCU film. Mine too. It's, it's my second favorite comic book film of all time, Behind the Dark Knight. And however, I would say it is just slightly behind Civil War as the most impactful to me personally. Hmm. Um, while I do think Winter Soldier is a better film, I think in Civil War we really get to see um, the effect of Steve's faithfulness to Bucky and the effect that has on Bucky and how he turns around. And we get to see him stand up for it when he's challenged by everybody else around him. And I just love all the different interplay in that movie of all the relationships, you know, the... You have Black Widow who is backing up Steve and supporting him and wanting to be there for him and willing to kind of change sides to help him. But you have everybody else who's like against him and people banding together for different things. And I just think there's so much cool relationship in that movie. And then to turn around and see the villain be Zemo who lost his entire family, which is heartbreaking to me. 
you know, as a father and a husband. And I'm just like, oh, I can't even imagine that. And then to even see Black Panther come in at the end of it and not let him kill himself and sort of end the cycle of revenge. I just think there's so many good messages in that movie and hope for good relationships, hope for fixing broken relationships. I could go on about it forever. And even the other side of it too, that makes it very impactful to me is in a lot of ways, it feels like the most comic booky of all of them. Like just even the airport scene when they're all fighting each other and it's just, it's such a good representation of so many characters treated so well in a story which I love in comics. I know, Jay, you're the guy who likes one character. You don't like the big crossover events and stuff like that. <laughs> it's true, yeah. But one of my first exposures to comics was Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is one of the biggest crossovers in history. So I do like the crossover thing, and this was basically that done beautifully in a movie, which meant so much to me. And at the end of the day, with all those characters in there, it still felt like a Captain America story. Yeah, totally. Which is amazing. Because there's so much stuff going on. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be my choice. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, before we continue, I want to let you know about some of the additional we've, content we've released lately. In fact, we did a live show. Uh, was that last week, Daryl? That was the week before. We did a live show the week before last where we had two guests from Network 1901, Josh and Angie Taylor. And Josh and Angie... Uh, went through the uh, Disney versus Pixar bracket challenge in yep. honor of March Madness. So I know we're we're far away from March Madness by the time you're listening to this. However, if you want to see uh, how all the people voted in coming up with the bracket for what the winning movie was between Pixar and Disney, head over to our YouTube channel. There's a lot of other really cool videos on there as well, including some Black Panther videos that you might want to check out. Um, so definitely do that. We do have live shows, like I just mentioned, Almost every Thursday. This Thursday, almost yeah. yeah, almost every Thursday. We we skip a few weeks here and there because um, life. Yeah. <laughs> what else? What are you gonna do? <laughs> what, are you, what are you gonna do? Uh, but we love doing the live shows. So if you go over to and we actually because we have a hundred subscribers now, you can go to www.youtube.com slash the story geeks. And That's you right. get right to our channel. There's no confusing long URL anymore. Finally got our own. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> um, so, so one of the things you might be wondering, because I always wonder about You've this You've arrived. Yes. We've arrived, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm expecting YouTube to send us like a little... You know how they send people... Have you seen that? How YouTube, when they reach certain milestones, they send you like, like glass YouTube buttons and stuff? Really? Oh, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, for 100, they sent me an email. <laughs> nice. It was nice. Uh, but yeah, if you're wondering, like, you know, a lot of podcasts I listen to, I always go, what do these guys actually look like? Well, you can see us because we're go. on the live show. So there you go. We have and some really fun guests. Once you see us, we apologize. <laughs> <laughs> once you see us, you'll be like, these guys are having faces for audio. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so definitely check all of those out. One more thing I'll say um, special thanks to Jim and Mary, our latest Patreon subscribers. Um, who have also come up with some fantastic questions we're going to be answering. And we're going to be answering those questions on our Instagram account, The Story Geeks. And so, it helped us made some connections for some cool possible upcoming events. Absolutely. They've yeah. been they've been amazing. They're like super supporters of the show. But like Jim and Mary, you can get access to additional content 
um, on Patreon. So if you go to uh, Patreon, I think it's Patreon slash the Story Geeks, but it'll be in the in the link in the sh- in the show notes. So Daryl, what's our Patreon question for today's show? For today's show, after we're done here, we're going to talk about what it would look like if the Academy recognized the MCU. Ooh, that'll be that'll be a really fun question to explore. Yeah. It'll only be on Patreon, which means that um, so pa- Patreon is a, a place where you can support us, and then we release additional content to for supporters specifically. Yeah. So you only have to get in at three dollars a month. It's real. I mean, the other day I was looking at something like three dollars a month is less in California than a ga- one gallon of gas. <laughs> it is like so. I refilled today. I can verify that <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's not much money. We're not asking for much money, but that that monthly amount. Uh, helps us out a ton so if you wouldn't mind supporting us there that'd be great and actually i'm gonna throw it out to bobby nash bobby nash also has a patreon account and you should Woo-hoo. also support mr bobby nash on his patreon account there you go so do that yes as well. please so hey i, I yeah. treat it like a, I, I kind of follow the same model you do it's almost like a subscription service you're gonna get yeah. a free you're getting a free book every month at least one and you get new stuff before everybody else does oh no that's go. cool so there, go go support Bobby as well, please. Um, and with that, we can jump back into it. Let's move on to this question here. What do you guys think are some of the most nagging unanswered questions in the MCU? I've seen a lot of posts talking about this, whether people think it's like dropped plot lines or things that we just don't know the answer to. But Jay, what do you think are some of those nagging <laughs> questions? You, you come to the guy who's like, there's questions. No, <laughs> no there, there's, I'm uh, just ping ponging back and forth. I yeah, yeah no, I'm just. No, I know that every time I listen to the Empire podcast, they're always like, uh, you know, they're, they're all Brits, so it's like, oh, no, now what did this? Now what did this do to the timeline? You know, like you're like, uh, I have no idea, and I don't care because they're good movies, yeah. so it's like no big deal. But uh, yeah, so I don't really have any major nagging questions. I mean, if I wanted to be nitpicky, I could probably go through and said like, say like, well. Why didn't this character use this power at this time? You know, like, mm-hmm. but I, I don't have any of those questions. Like, those aren't big things to me. But it doesn't have to be a nitpicky thing. Like, what about plot questions or things like that? Anything that stands out to you? I mean, so this is this is what I'm talking about, right? Like, when you, once you give a character a power, there's there like for example, you take um, Doctor Strange. And it's going to be interesting to see how they use him mm-hmm. in Infinity War. Yeah. Because you take somebody who can literally reverse time pretty much maybe not at will, but like, you know, that that is a, such a strong device to be able to use that it just makes things it make things can get ridiculous, yeah. which can cause major plot holes. But for me personally, I have not seen any major plot holes that have upset me so much that I'm like, how did that happen? That's just not cool. Um, you know, it just that just hasn't been a thing for me. So no, I don't really have any. I don't really now. If you, now as you guys talk about it, I might go, mind blown. That's terrible. <laughs> but I can't think of any off the top of my head. Okay, well then, there you go, Bobby. The pressure's on you. Why don't you try oh, to blow his mind? <laughs> well, I. I I've long since given up on trying to figure out where the movies happen in relation to each other because they've started putting dates in some of them and you go like, wait a minute, that would mean that this takes, you know, I I can't do it. And I see some people that go through that effort and they're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Spider-Man should be this, should be a lot younger. And I was like, I'm just assuming they know what they're doing, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Um, so yeah, things like that. Um, you know, I don't really, 
know of any like big big plot hole questions um minor little things like why haven't hasn't anybody told them that colson's still alive <laughs> yeah you know surely surely to god you know it's been what six years five years <laughs> six years you know somebody could have like said something you know um doesn't have to be a big thing you just you know gotta let them know he's alive or things like that what what happened to the red skull where you know why you know yeah that's one or, of mine um you know yeah so i there's a lot of stuff that there's a lot of stuff that like in one movie you know they may not answer questions and this is another thing too a lot of people call things plot holes that are not plot holes they're just unanswered questions you know because sometimes they 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 answer questions later you know, like Civil War had this little thing about, oh, obviously Tony and Pepper are not together anymore. What happened? And they don't tell us. And people were like, well, that's a plot hole. I was like, no, <laughs> that's a plot point. Yeah. And then, it, yeah. you know, then Spider-Man, we, we've realized that's all been resolved. It's it's So it's not really a plot hole at so much as it's just not the story they're telling us. Right. Um. So, yeah, I... I'm sure if I thought hard about it, I could probably come up with some, but yeah, I don't go looking for them. I, uh, I, I understand, believe me, I understand that when you're telling a story, sometimes you just have to go crap. Hope nobody notices this. (laughs) (laughs) No one, they will. I've been there before. I've been there. Yeah. So, and so sometimes you just have to do what services the story. So I, I try not to go through and go, Oh yeah, that's a plot hole or, you know, because a lot of things happen in these movies that are just because of coincidence or yeah. or it's a wink and a nod to the audience. You know, like the fact that in like Guardians of the Galaxy 2, when the blue stuff is gobbling up that Earth town and they stop it just as it's almost enveloped that blue car at the end. Yeah. The fact that it's Peter Quill's grandfather driving that car. Right. Is not important in the grand scheme of anything. But it is to us who knows that that's Peter Quill's grandfather, and that he he his grandson just saved his life without even knowing it. Yeah. You know things like that. So these are not plot holes. They're, you know, or I'll, I'll give you a good one. This one just popped into my head thinking of that. How did that little flower thing that Ego planted behind the Dairy Queen go undisturbed for thirty four years? Yes. I can't I can't plant a bush in my yard without some dog picking it up. <laughs> You know, so yeah, there's you. There you go. If you're looking for a plot hole, there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, and not even necessarily plot holes, but just like maybe they're questions that are, have rightfully not been answered yet, yeah. and we're going to get the answers soon. Well, well, like I said, um, I, you know, I I would love to find out. You know, I would. I, I'm pretty sure a lot of it's because of the actor, but I would love to see how they would work in getting the Red Skull into the modern age. Yeah. Um, I understand that Hugo Weaving apparently does not really want to play the character again. Yeah. So that may be why. Hmm. Um, I would certainly love to see more interaction or just at least acknowledgement between the movies and the TV stuff. But again, that's, that's more wishful thinking than plot hole stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm happy with what I've got so far, but yeah, I mean, there are those questions of, you know, why haven't we seen this character? Or, you know, when are we going to see that character? But, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of it for me is just stuff that I think we can reasonably expect is going to be continued. 
Like I think of, um, is it uh, Mordo or Mordu? <laughs> I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, Mor- yeah, Doctor Baron, Mor- Baron well, yeah, Mordo. Yeah. yeah, Mordo. So, like, obviously they set him up as a villain, but we haven't seen that mm-hmm. come to fruition yet. But I'm I'm okay with the fact that we can reasonably expect another Doctor Strange movie, and that's mm-hmm. probably when that'll happen. Yeah. Mm. Well, knowing, knowing Mordo from the comics, I was surprised he was a hero in the first movie. <laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was. Uh, but you know what? That I I think that sets it up great because now when he does become a villain, there's totally. more of a personal stake. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's implied questions too. Like, obviously, we know we're not going to get to hold on to all of these characters with their same actors. Mm -hmm. So we're left with the questions of, are they going to recast? Are they going to reboot? Are they going to go into legacy characters? Like we know we won't have Chris Evans as Steve Rogers forever. Right. So is Bucky going to become Captain America? Is Sam going to become Captain America? Are they going to recast him? Like who knows? We don't know those answers, but another tiny little one that has always kind of not not bothered me but i've always like well i wonder what's going to happen with that is at the end of thor the dark world with the post credits thing when that that creature is still running around mm-hmm. i'm like well where's that <laughs> like it would have been it would have been fun to come back and hear more about that again that's a really good point yeah not yeah. a really good point i don't think but <laughs> they're all good points yeah they're all good points another there'll one be, there'll be there'll be an after credits movie in some other movie like yeah a, a year from now and we'll see him run in the background yeah with like <laughs> howard the duck in his jaws yeah. or something. <laughs> um another one for me that i've been thinking about is the like the winter soldier program and the super soldier program i'm like i just you know we got this idea of Bucky not being the only Winter Soldier and that was such a cool concept but then it was sort of sidestepped in Civil War and I'm like Mm -hmm. I would would like to see more of that Yeah, there were also in the comics there were failed attempts at recreating Super Soldier Serum that gave you know Steve Rogers his powers Mm -hmm. and uh, that has led to other characters well that a lot of these things started getting introduced to to explain how characters were still alive after so many years that had ties to World War II. Like yeah. Nick Fury in the comics at one point had something called the Infinity Formula in his bloodstream mm. that kept him, you know, the same age he was in World War II and present. Um, oh, okay. Obviously, the movies don't, you know, the movies don't focus on that. But, yeah. um, but, but they've done these things where in the comics, there were these, after Cap and Bucky, quote unquote, died, and they were buried in the ice and whatever, the United States government had replacement Captain America and Bucky's ready to go. Mm. And they were working on new, because the, the original serum died with Dr. Erskine because it was all in his head. And so they were trying to recreate the formula and they were never successful. So even though we had, there was a Captain America and Bucky from the time Steve died, uh, went in the ice into the fifties, there was still a Captain America and Bucky in the comics but they went insane because the the serum you know messed with their brains <laughs> and uh, that's a story that played out several different times because they would come back and it caused a lot of problems and and they'd given them plastic surgery so he looked like Steve Rogers oh wow so yeah there, so there there were things like that, that that were in play in the comics to explain why there could still be a Captain America yeah so, you know and 
obviously the movies didn't do that. There was no Captain America after he went because they they made it a point to say you know he disappeared. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but, totally. uh, Yep. Yeah. There's so much history. It's crazy. Um, okay. I want to talk about death. <laughs> Let's get dark a little bit. <laughs> so, I want to talk about death. Let's call Thanos. Uh... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the, in the, so in the MCU, I feel like there's been some criticism over a lack of death, which sounds bad, but you know, death in storytelling brings higher stakes right and it brings some gravity with it and i think a lot of people feel like that's been absent from the mcu like you know nick fury quote unquote died in the winter soldier but then we find out by the end of the movie he's not really dead and and so there's been this reluctance to kill people off but i think there have been some impactful ones so i'm curious what you guys this not to get too morbid here but Mm -hmm. what do you guys think have been the the best and most important (laughs) deaths in the MCU. So Bobby, why don't you lead us off here? Okay. Well, and two, now these are comic book deaths we're talking about. So even, so they're almost always temporary. Um, but some of the ones that, that have stood out to me, I think one of the most impactful in terms of character is the death of King T'Chaka in civil war. Mm. Uh, this is the black, the black Panther's father. Yeah. Uh, actually he becomes the black Panther when his father is killed. Right. And I think that that death sends T'Challa off in directions. At first, it's a direction of revenge to to have to get vengeance for his father's murder. But he learns he learns a lot of stuff going forward that leads him to become a more compassionate leader than he might have been otherwise. Yeah which then goes into the Black Panther movie, which I think helps him begin to relate to these other, these, the other tribes that he has to be their king who don't necessarily like him, which then turns out to save his life later when, you know, man ape saves him, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so King T'Chaka, I think is a very, a very powerful death. For sure. Um, obviously, Uncle Ben and Spider-Man. Now, we did not get that in Homecoming because uh, they've told the origin story before and decided not to do it again. But, so I don't feel it was, it's, it's not as mentioned as much in the story, but I, you know, I can't think of Spider-Man without thinking of Uncle Ben's death. Yeah. Um, certainly, Peter Quill's mother uh, dying sends him on a, sends him on a, a journey there's a great line in Guardians 2 about, you know, why did you never go back to Earth? And he goes, because that's the planet where my mother died. Yeah. You know, that that 34 years later, it's still, it still impacts on him. Um, you know, and, yeah, I, and I, which I think resonates with anyone who's lost a parent. Mm. And, uh, I mean, it certainly did with me. And, um, and then, you know... Uh, obviously, Civil War also showed us the death of Tony's parents, which I think are very important. Yeah. Even though we we knew all this, we knew the answer to it in in the in Winter Soldier. Seeing it, and Tony had the kind of the same thing, and it's like you know, you know, at the end of it, it's like he was tricked into doing this. It doesn't matter. He killed my mom, you know, and 
there's really no stopping Tony at that point. So right. there's all these things. And of course the Avengers Coulson's death was, totally. it was important because they needed somebody to avenge. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, is why I think either Steve or Tony's going to get it in one of these next two Avengers movies. Yeah. Um, because they'll need someone to avenge. And those are also two that you can lose Steve or Tony and still have Iron Man and Captain America. So yeah, as you guys mentioned with legacy characters, you can you can still have those characters. Actually, if they were, they could have their cake and eat it too. If it's Tony, because Tony could become the voice of the new AI in his head and still have <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. without having. So, um, and then I could probably go on with more, but I'll just throw one more out there, and I think that's that's the death of Odin. Oh, okay. In yeah. uh, Thor Ragnarok, it's a very small scene, but it's it's a very touching scene with pulling Loki and Thor t- closer together. Yeah. Um, because they've had the, you know, that's one of the things I love about the Thor Loki dynamic, and the movies really touch on it because the comics do and they don't. They sometimes they get away from it where Loki's just evil and. And but the but the fact that Thor is always trying to be his brother, even though he knows he's evil. Yeah. I I love the fact that they play that up in the movies. And even though Loki was responsible for banishing Odin, when Loki sees Odin in the state he's in, knowing what's about to happen, he is still looking and going. He is still that guy's kid. Mm-hmm. And it, you can and they play it so well, and it's such a soft. And small scene. There's there's no grandiose death here. It's very simple because you know everything in Thor is so grandiose and over the top. So the fact that this this death scene is so pleasant. It's not it's not yeah. a big thing. It's it's a quiet moment. Yeah. And then after that happens, you know the crap hits the fan. <laughs> and um, but yeah, so those are those are ones that really did it for me. And and yeah, it wasn't main characters. But these deaths had high impacts on those characters. For sure. What do you think, Jay? Oh, I think he hit most of them. Um, the only the only other one that I'd probably throw in there, and this is what I think makes Guardians of the Galaxy so fascinating, is that they handled death from two different perspectives in two different films, and mm-hmm. basically both of Peter Quill's parents yeah. die. And I think that's... Um, <clears throat> well... All of his, even his, even his surrogate parent, and you know, like all of them die, and I think that that's a really, it speaks to why the movies resonate with us. Like all the, as you guys start talking about death and the and the stakes that are there, all of the stakes are there when people, when death is real, when yeah. it's because we know how hurtful it is. Bobby talked about it a little bit, uh, touched on it. We know how hurtful it is in real life. And so this, when it, when we, when we've, when we've dealt with that kind of thing, it doesn't just become, uh, it doesn't just become a comic book death because mm-hmm. even if it is a quote unquote comic book death, meaning the person could come back, we know that they're going to come back in a different way. And the person that we knew is now no longer in community with us, is no longer in relationship with us. And I think that that just is, it's just so much more impactful. And so I think that there is something to be said for the criticism of the MCU for not having enough of its characters die. And I think 
that you guys are both kind of mentioned it, but I think the Russo brothers are going to show us in Infinity yeah. War that I think we'll get a little, a little yeah, yeah, that'll uh-huh. be fixed a little bit. In fact, I would even go so far as to say the biggest, the biggest non-death that really, really upset me. Uh, well, I wasn't that upset. I was just kind of like, this is more of the same. What a bummer is the War Machine non-death. Yeah, in Civil War. Yeah, because they had a moment there where I felt like they could have really made Tony angry, not just like not just kind of annoyed, but because they had this giant battle wherein there's a bunch of superheroes that are basically pulling punches. They're not they're not going all out. And then one of them goes a little bit too far, and even though it's a mistake to have one of them die, would have upped the conflict between those characters even Uh more so. In fact. I think that the when Tony uh, finally says, I don't care if he's being mind-controlled, that was still my mom, as you pointed out, uh, Bobby, I still think that his reaction is overboard. But I don't know that it would have been as overboard had War Machine actually died. Right. I think we would have felt like, no, Tony's so worked up about this that he's just done with it. And I don't think he was at that place at that time in that film. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, dude, be a little bit more rational. That dude was being mind controlled. Yeah. yeah. So that's my only thing is I think and, that is accurate to criticize them for that. Yeah. yeah. And it's also one of those things too. I mean, yes, War Machine was crippled, but at the end of that movie, we see him walking. So exactly. I mean, even though it, even though it's he's being aided, it takes away a lot of the punch that yeah, because we see this guy walking around at the end of it. Yeah. Totally. And joking, like <laughs> right. Yeah. Like he may not be able to walk perfectly, but clearly everything's mm-hmm. fine. Like that's what they want you to feel. That, yep. that was one of the things I loved so much about the the first couple of seasons of Agents of Shield was when we find out what Colson's alive, but he doesn't know why. He's trying to find out. They play that out over fairly you know length of a, like a season of him trying that it's it's hurting him that he doesn't know why he's alive. Yeah. Mm. And and I thought the when they finally do the reveal and it's explained why he was put through this process was was pretty impressive and it, it kind of wasn't one of those moments you know um, I don't know if we consider that part of the MCU when it's on TV but yeah <laughs> um, but uh, yeah so the fact that it was like you know that this was something put in place should an Avenger had died and you know Nick Fury tells him well we did use it because an Avenger died because they considered Coulson part of the team. Mm. You know, I thought that was a, a nice bit. But yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, uh, yeah, they're, you know, I, they could have probably gone and never explained it. We'd always just wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did you think, Daryl? Yeah. I mean, I think you guys have definitely hit on the bigs. I mean, if I had to pick a biggest one, I'd probably pick Coulson, um, which is weird because he's alive again. But as far as <laughs> the movie characters seem to know, he's still dead. Um, but I, I, just a couple other ones that I think didn't get mentioned were uh, Frigga, um, yes, Thor, yeah. Thor's mom. I think that was really impactful, and I think that was the first time we got to see a, a real good shred of humanity in Loki mm-hmm. by how torn up he was about that. I don't even remember that. Oh, it's this great... It's I mean, there's some... Mm-hmm. As much criticism as the Dark World gets, yeah. there's some great stuff in it and there's the scene in the dark world where thor goes to visit loki in his prison and he's you know he looks all high and mighty and stuff and he's all perfectly dressed and perfectly put together and then 
Thor makes... I forget exactly what he says, but he makes some comment about, let me see you for real or something. Uh, and then the veneer wipes mm-hmm. away and Loki just looks like a tattered drunk sitting yeah. in the corner of the room because he's oh. so torn up over Frigga's death. Yeah. Yeah. I love the fact, too, that that sets up what they play in the next movie, that Thor can always see, can usually see through Loki's illusions. Yeah. So that when he sees Odin, he knows it's not Odin. Which, of course, leads but, to, piss off, ghost. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, you know, there, that, that, yes, and Loki's reaction to Frigga's death is incredible. I thought Thor's was great, too, because Thor sees her die. Yeah. And the fact that he just he just goes berserk and tries to kill the guy that killed her, I thought was really great. But yeah, and Renee Russo is so good in that role too. Yeah, she did really well. That uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. Now that's coming back to me. Yeah, and the only other one that comes to mind is I remember uh, the death of the Ancient One in Doctor Strange. I felt mm-hmm. was done pretty well too. Just the whole passing the torch nature. That was done really well. The scene itself was just kind of so quiet and personal. Yeah. You know, amongst this huge cosmic world. Well, and this and this being that has a a level of regret. Yes. Mm -hmm. But also a level of, I was justified in what I did, and that kind of that con that conflict between them is yeah, that's great. And now I can finally let go. Like this is the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, I dig that. And of course, that's a that's a super it's a superhero trope too that either your your parents or your mentor or your teacher, yeah, that, that passing the torch happens a lot in comics. Yeah, and sure. but they've they've done it they've done it really well. I mean, the scene in Black Panther where he goes into kind of the spirit realm and sees his father's spirit there, yeah, is a very powerful moment. And uh, absolutely. As well, and of course, you know, we briefly mentioned Yondu, and Yondu certainly had a had a really big, surprising death. You know? Yeah. Um. So yeah. And one of my favorite performance moments by Chris Pratt too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Yondu was dying, I thought he did really well there. Yeah. I also thought too, like in that movie, they're not they're they're not dead, but they're all die at the point where Ego is winning, and all of the Guardians are pretty much dying. They're either being crushed to death or yeah. strangled or smothered. In that moment, every one of those characters is trying to save someone else while they're being killed. Mm, yeah. And I love that, that that tells you more about that group. Like the fact that 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 Drax is trying to lift Manus up to keep her from being sucked into the ground with him. Yeah. You know, that, that's his... That's, could, that could have been very well his dying act, mm-hmm. but it's such. It tells me everything I need to know about that character. It really makes them earn the title of guardians. Exactly. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's go to another question here, and this maybe this can be kind of a quick one because I think in some ways we've touched on this a lot throughout our other discussions, and. I think Bobby, this one might be mostly a question for you because <laughs> Jay, Jay's yeah. not as Jay's not as well versed in the comic realm. But I'm curious what you see as the most successful adaptations in the MCU from the comics. Winter Soldier would probably top the list. Totally. Um, there's bits and pieces in all of them. Certainly, the first Thor and and Ragnarok both pull a lot from the uh, Walt Simonson era. 
they're not complete adaptations, but they pull big chunks. Um, they also pull a big chunk from Planet Hulk there. Yeah. Um, so there's yeah, so there's there's bits and pieces, but probably the one that's the closest uh, would be the Winter Soldier. Uh, Civil War is probably the second closest. Yeah. Although the the endings of those are a little different. Um, yeah, like and I know the, the motivation the, of Civil War is different. Is different, yes. But and I then, think, man, what a, I mean, not a not a super faithful adaptation, but I'd call it a very successful adaptation because to take such a giant crossover and make it make sense in a smaller mm-hmm. context like they did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, the orig- the comic originally ended up that ended with Captain America dying and right. Bucky's Bucky but taking up the shield and because he wouldn't let anybody else have it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony became the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. Tony became the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Tony actually became... It's one of those things, too. It depends on which side you fall on in the debate. But there, for the time there, it seemed like Tony Stark became the biggest villain in the in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Because all this bad stuff was happening under his his rule, you know. And um, you know, then again, if you're a Tony fan and you're looking at it from Tony's point of view... You're probably thinking, no, he's good. (laughs) And I like that the movie does that. The one thing the movie does with Tony that Civil War, the comic, didn't do, in the movie, Tony kind of realizes, I might be wrong on some of my points here. Yeah. He actually seems to, like, for a moment go, yeah, I may be wrong. Let me see what I can do to help here. Because he's actually, when he shows up at the, you know, at the Russian base... He's there to help until he finds out that Bucky killed his parents. So in the comic, it's Tony never wavers from, no, I am absolutely right. Right. You know, I'm right, you're wrong. There's no there's no middle ground. In the movie, Tony feels more like a real person who goes, you know, maybe I maybe I made a mistake here. Um so yeah, so there's so it's a it's a good adaptation in terms of the setup and getting the story across certainly the certainly the the inciting incident is different i mean in the movie it's an avengers thing that causes a problem in the comics it was a the new warriors were fighting a character called nuke and yeah nuke nuke explodes and that's what nuke does a whole bunch of people kills a whole bunch of kids yeah because it's it's nearest they're fighting near a school and all these kids die and it's uh you know it's it's a great lead off for the story but i think in terms of the movies we don't know those characters yet so it had to be characters we know yeah so that we could go have all that bit where the scarlet witch feels awful about this yeah that she feels like it's her fault and i think so. just the idea of centering it around bucky is so mm-hmm. brilliant i love that well let's look forward a little bit i don't want to look forward to infinity war because Frankly, I've been trying not to watch trailers. <laughs> I'm trying to let that movie surprise me as much as the Russo brothers want it to. So let's go beyond that. Let's look forward beyond even the fourth Avengers film because we know Infinity War is sort of a finale to the book of the MCU that we've been reading, so to speak. Well, and then the, second, we still have... the second one, yeah, whatever's after Infinity War. Yeah, exactly. And so we still have the fourth one to come too, and then after that begins what phase five or whatever it is and kind of probably the new face of the Marvel Universe, which Kevin Feige has said will be, it'll still be there, but it'll be different. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just curious, 
what you guys want to see after phase four. The beauty of the Avengers. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. The beauty of the Avengers is it's a rotating roster. Yeah. It's like Um, all of the Marvel Universe, more or less. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So you have options with the Avengers in terms of doing more Avengers. Right. Um, Obviously, we know we're getting Captain Marvel. We know we're going to get more Spider-Man. We know we're going to get more Guardians. Those Mm -hmm. have already been greenlit. We know they're coming. Um, In terms of what I would love to see that has not been announced, you know, with this Fox, with Disney, the Fox buying, or Disney buying Fox thing in the works, I hope to at some point see a good Fantastic Four, either movie or TV series. Hmm. I personally would prefer to see the FF as a TV series because I think that would work better. Mm. But I'm hoping for a, a, a good version of the FF. Um, that would be that would be something I would love to see. Um, and I agree with everybody on the internet. I would love to see John Krasinski and Emily Blunt <laughs> lead that movie. <laughs> as so. He's playing his character as Jim from The Office, though. No, as the dad from <laughs> A Quiet Place. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, I would I would throw in there. Um, I am a giant <clears throat> fan of Marvel's Daredevil. I I think the TV series, uh, the Netflix TV series. I I would probably, man, that's battling neck and neck with Guardians of the Galaxy for me, mm-hmm. and probably maybe even Wonder Woman as being some of the best comic book material that I've seen in recent years. Wow. So yeah. I would love to see a Daredevil film. Now, most films that are based on TV shows, I, most, a lot of them do very poorly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you brought in the right team, I think that would be super cool to do a film, a Daredevil film. Yeah. Um, I would love to see, as much as you say, like, you know, I don't like ensemble stuff, and you're totally right about that. I don't prefer ensemble yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be pretty special to see Avengers versus um, uh, X-Men. Yeah. With this deal I, that's going to come out. I have a feeling that's going to be the next thing we build up to. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're, I think we're going to start seeing, like, once Disney actually makes the the full buyout, I bet you we're going to start seeing some individual movies that come out as they build the X-Men team and then we'll see the crossover. I think uh-huh. that's where they may have been going with the Inhumans back when yes. they were going to do an Inhumans movie and then they relegated it to a TV show and didn't put enough quality behind it. And Yeah. But yeah, the Inhumans have just, as cool as some of the Inhumans characters are, the Inhumans have just never quite grabbed audiences the way the mutants have. Yeah. And and trying to force it on people, it did yeah because it didn't seem to happen organically in the comics. They started trying to force it on people, and I think that's what turned people off is they felt like they were being told, yeah. "No, you've got to like this." And I think that's a picture of the movies affecting the comics because yeah. obviously they're not going to back off of the X Men comics like they did on the Fantastic Four because they're too successful. Mm-hmm. But they really like just like you're saying they really did try and shove the Inhumans there in there as the big sort of people group and tried to sideline sideline the mutants a little bit more. Yeah. Now with the, with the Marvel and their stable of characters because there's so many things in development. I mean, Marvel's Marvel's you know, they've pretty much covered their biggies 
you know, and then we're getting down into like smaller groups of characters like Cloak and Daggers coming to free, was it Freeform? Yeah. Or, and, uh, and the Runaways. The Runaways is on one channel and uh, we're getting the Squirrel Girl and the, the New Warriors. So we're, I mean, there's a lot of characters that are, you know, that are tied up and all the Netflix guys, you know, uh, so that knocks out Daredevil, Luke Cage, you know, Iron Fist, uh, Jessica Jones, Punisher. Yeah. Uh, you know, who's left when we start getting down into, not to say that there's not characters there. I'd certainly love to see She-Hulk show up somewhere in some form. Yeah. Um, you know, there's other characters that I would like to see do things. I still hope for a, you know, a, a Black Widow film or, you know, I would have settled for a Black Widow, Hawkeye, Nick Fury movie three of them go into some kind of situation uh we hear people people are always going man we'd love to get a moon knight series for netflix or something yeah uh i'm not sure if if moonlight would work as a movie but i think tv would be a good fit for that um so yes i mean the, the question then becomes where do you go you know what characters work in these things and as you start getting down we start to run out of characters yeah you know we end up with d-man and you know those guys and it's like some of these characters are not strong enough to build a movie around mm. i would certainly point. you know i would certainly love to see uh blade return mm-hmm. whether it's wesley snipes one more time or we recast it and and start over um i would i, I think that's a character that certainly could still offer quite a bit to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Um, Marvel has a good amount of cosmic characters that could uh, be out there as something to tie this over between Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yeah, sure. Um, so we, we have options of things like that. You know, I, I hope that they continue to give us characters that are telling different types of stories. Like yeah. a Fantastic Four story and an Avenger story, yes, they're all superheroes, but they they, they have different kinds of adventures. Totally. Mm. So I think, and I think Marvel's been good at that. They've been giving us, you know, not everything's you know told the same way. You know, the fact that Captain America's movies have felt more like thrillers and and polit- like political thrillers, as opposed to just a straight up superhero movie. Yeah. You know, Guardians has certainly given us the the Star Wars type movie you know with a lot of humor so we, we've got options now and i hope that they continue to show us that the range that we can get out of comic characters comics are not just superheroes and the marvel universe is full of characters that powers or not there's a lot of good stories out there they could adapt and tell for sure i think one of the things that excites me i mean i love the shared universe. I love the MCU. I love building everything into these giant Avengers movies. And yes, I do want to see the X-Men rebooted. I want to see Cyclops get treated well in a Mm -hmm. movie. And I would love to see those characters interact with the Marvel universe at large. But part of me also sort of wants this shared universe concept to be put to rest or at least sidelined after Avengers 4 because I feel like they did it so well Hmm. and I'm you know I feel like a lot of what DC is struggling with is their attempts to recreate that and now they're starting to drift away from it a little bit which I'm way more excited about I'm way more excited 
to see it in more of a comic approach where you have different creators takes on characters and they don't have to relate and they don't have to mm. coexist. Mm-hmm. Um, I would enjoy seeing a little bit of that with some of these Marvel characters as well. Yeah. I, I, I love the shared universe. I, 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 I don't think everyone has to be super tied together. Yeah. Like it did not bother me that the black Panther movie only had two like mentions of anything else. Right. <laughs> you know, cause it was good well, enough on its own. Like right. it didn't have to. Right. The, the, so there were, so yeah, I don't need, and like I thought Spider-Man homecoming did it. Okay. Like you could have even done that movie without Robert Downey Jr. And just had happy in it. Yeah. And it, I feel tied to it, but you know, I, I, I don't need to be, I don't I don't need to be shoehorned in. Do it where it feels organic. Totally. And I, I, so I do think Robert Downey Jr. was well put in Spider-Man because they had that father-son bit with him and, Sp- and Peter. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't need it. I don't need it shoehorned in if it works. And, you know, Captain America in the videos, you know, that was funny. That worked. Yeah. And Spider-Man. I didn't need to see the real Captain America show up at any point in the movie. Right. For sure that kind of thing. So yeah, I don't mind it being there so that if it's, if it works, it works. But if you don't, you know, don't, don't try to, and I think that was DC's problem. They tried to go straight to that as opposed to building up to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But man, it's been such a, a fun ride so far and such an amazing thing that they've been able to accomplish. Mm Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's remarkable in cinematic history what yeah. they've been able to do. It's insane. Yeah, because yeah. they, they. I mean, it's like saying like it's like saying what if there was you know what if there wasn't a kind of a misfire uh, James Bond film or something right like, like, right. like we all have films that were like ah that one wasn't that good. There's always a stinker. Yeah, but I mean like mm. I mean the incredible like we said the Incredible Hulk wasn't great but it also wasn't terrible. I mean they really haven't had any terrible films. No, no. And they're all related to one another, which James Bond isn't. You know, yeah. like right. it's just crazy. Well, I'm trying to think of in terms of other any other franchises that that are this interconnected. And I, the closest I could come would be the various Star Wars things. But you know, I mean, the, where the TV shows are kind of connected. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this this really is a very unique thing that should not have worked. Yeah, I mean, if you yeah. think about the enormity <laughs> of true. this, it should not have worked. Yeah. You know, getting this many A-list actors to put their ego in check to share a movie with these other, a- you know, because look how many people are in this uh, Infinity War movie. Oh, it's ridiculous. You it's know. like all of Hollywood. It's insane. Yeah, it's so the the, the fact that, that they, they're able to pull all this off and no, none of them have gotten pissed off and quit (laughs) that's amazing I mean it it just you know the enormity like I said the enormity of this with so many people behind the scenes different writers different directors whatever the the fact that it that they've pulled this off is nothing short of amazing yeah yeah that's for sure yeah and I can't wait to see what's ahead yes I'm I'm ready I'm so ready for Infinity War that it's just yeah 
Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the, there's a, you know, if I, I look back at the little kid that, that started reading comics back in the late 70s. Yes, I'm old. Uh, <laughs> that started reading comics back in the late 70s. If you'd have told me one day that we were going to get all this, I wouldn't have believed you. Because oh, I know. That was when, you know, my, you know, what we, we got for Spider-Man was the guy that shot like ropes out of his hand. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't actually swing anywhere. And <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, the fact that, that, that they've been able to do and that they've put some of my favorite characters, you know, you know, Captain America and Thor have been two of my favorite characters for a long time and to see them handled and handled well, um, you know, we were talking about emotional moments earlier, and I don't know why I didn't mention this one then, but there's a scene in the first Avengers movie where Thor has shown up and taken Loki out of the Quinjet, and Cap and, and uh, Iron Man go down, and they're fighting there in the woods, and the hammer has just hit the shield and, like, blown this big open patch in the woods, and we get this one shot of them from far away, and it's the three of them, Thor, yeah. Captain America, and Iron Man, standing there looking at each other. And, you're and I'm like, like oh my God. Crap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have been waiting 30 years <laughs> for this moment. And, and, it's, and it's, it's such a small moment. But yeah, just seeing them standing there. Yeah, that, that, I've been, I didn't realize that I had been waiting for that moment since yeah. I was a kid. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that really is the perfect sentiment to kind of wrap this discussion up on. Um, so what we're going to do that. We're going to wrap up, but we will transition into our Patreon discussion. So if you guys want to hear that, be sure and subscribe to Patreon and check out when we talk about what Marvel would look like in the Academy Awards context. But this is it for this discussion. This has been really fun. Bobby, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. This was fun. I, like I said, I, I love the MCU. So when you guys... When you guys asked if I was, I was seeing it's yeah, it was a quick yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I yeah, I love this stuff, man. I am a I'm a Marvel I'm a Marvel zombie from from way back. Yep. And uh, so yeah, so I'm 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 thrilled to be a Marvel fan. Awesome. I, I knew that as soon as Daryl said we're doing um, kind of a get ready for the Infinity War, right? Yeah. And we're talking about MCU. I'm like, well, who can I ask? And I knew, I told Bobby, I'm like, it's going to be late for you because we're in California. Yeah. Bobby's in <laughs> out in Georgia. Yeah. And so he's working. You guys don't know this because you could probably listen to this in the morning or something. But we're we're working on 10 o'clock at night, which means yeah. Bobby's working at 1 a.m. It yep. is it is 12.57 right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, thanks for sticking with us. Um, Good thing those, I'm a night owl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for those of you listening, um, be sure and leave us a comment. Maybe you want to tell us what you think was your most emotional moments or your funniest moments in the MCU. Uh, definitely let us know what you think about the deaths uh, conversation too because it's a big one. Um, you can email us at thestorygeeks at gmail.com. Uh, also, we love iTunes reviews. I know I haven't read one in a while and I'm not going to read one today, um, but we love reading them. So please send us or go on iTunes and review us on iTunes so that we can read your iTunes review. Helps people find the show, helps us out a lot um, to do that. It'd be awesome. Yeah, and if you enjoyed today's show or anything else we've done in the past, tell somebody. Share it with a friend. Share it with a geek friend. Share it with a non-geek friend, thus converting them into a geek friend. That's always great, too. Um, and links to everything that we've talked about today will be in the show notes. 
Um, and as we said, we're going to transition into a new Patreon episode here, so don't forget to check out our exclusive content on Patreon. And to do that, you can just head on over to thestorygeeks.com. Absolutely, and that's where you can actually find our new blog, too. I didn't mention that earlier. We have a oh, yeah. brand new blog that looks really, really cool over at thestorygeeks.com. Um, and as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories and always seek the truth.